Before we get started with today's podcast, I want to take this opportunity to ask you when the last time it was that you changed out the air filter in your home. Now, would you believe that most people don't change out their air filters monthly or even know that they have to change them out monthly or until they realize that something is actually wrong with their HVAC system? That's why I want to introduce to you Second Nature Air Filters. Now, what's so special about them? Not only are they effective at capturing the dust, pollens, the molds, uh, you know, the, the bacteria, but they also help reduce the energy usage of your HVAC system up to 15% and avoid costly repairs whenever it matters the most. But let's be real. The real reason you're not changing your air filters, duh. It's because you forget half the time. You're like how I used to be. That's why I went with Second Nature Air Filters. Second Nature has created a subscription plan to send your home's air filters each month right to your door, which forces you to change out your old air filters before the new one arrives, keeping your air clean and your HVAC system in working condition. I've certainly noticed that regular replacement of my home's air filters has reduced the amount of dust flying around in my place, but has also reduced how much I've been sneezing in my place. Before, I was changing out my air filter every three months and I was sneezing constantly. Now that I change out my filter monthly, I hardly ever sneeze. This is all thanks to Second Nature's filter subscription plan, and it's the one delivery that I actually look forward to every month. Get started with Second Nature Air Filters today with my referral link at thepodcasttherapist.com slash second nature. Mixdown Media Productions. When you're one unbalanced piece of audio from losing your This is The Podcast Therapist. Welcome back to another episode of The Podcast Therapist. I'm your host, The Shan Man, radio broadcaster, podcaster, and podcast producer. And today's episode, we are going to be talking about monetization once again. This is a big hot topic that will never go away because there are so many different layers to monetization and monetizing your podcast that I want to try and focus on them one by one so that you get a better understanding of where your money can be coming from. Now, in today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with an account executive professional who works with Hubbard Broadcasting. His name is Steve Moynihan, and Steve has been working at this game for many, many years. Uh, he has brokered many different deals uh, to get sponsorships through different media sources, uh, wherever he has worked. And of course, uh, most recently in Hubbard Broadcasting, he is uh, continuing to bring in business, especially during COVID-19. It's been a very difficult time, I'm sure, for him uh, and everyone else who's been trying to get business, but he is still making it work and still making it happen. We don't get into that. That was a conversation that we had talked about uh, before we started the conversation. But what we did talk about were the methods that he uses to uh, get sponsorships for uh, the radio station, not only just the radio station itself for 98 KUPD, but also the sister stations that include that are included in the cluster uh, with Hubbard Broadcasting in Phoenix, Arizona. So today we're going to be specifically talking about, of course, sponsorships. And we will be talking about uh, what a sponsorship truly means, what it means for radio and what it can mean for your podcast and where you can integrate sponsorships for your podcast and the easiest types of sponsorships that you can get. Uh, we're going to be talking about which metrics that you should be using for sponsorships and what metrics that he looks at whenever he is selling sponsorships for radio. And then, of course, we will be talking about the process of creating a proposal. Um, it's a very broad explanation of how we create uh, proposals, but I'm sure you can get an idea of what you can include in your proposal when it comes down to getting a brand new client to be a sponsor. 
sponsor of your podcast. So in today's episode, I want you to listen all the way to the end because there are some very, I don't know, uh, motivational, inspirational uh, uh, content, um, you know, a message from Steve that I think you should hear when it comes down to monetizing your podcast. It can be a challenge, I will tell you this, but it is something that you should not give up on if you feel as though the content that you are creating has value. So let's go ahead and jump on over to that interview. Uh, here, after a few short words, you're listening to The Podcast Therapist. The Podcast Therapist. I want to remind you that today's podcast was also recorded on video so that I could create micro content. I used StreamYard in in order to do this. So what is StreamYard? Basically, it is a live streaming platform that helps you create seamless live recordings of your podcast interviews uh, that you could push to Facebook, YouTube, uh, YouTube Live, Twitch, LinkedIn, Periscope, and most recently, I learned that you can use Amazon Live with StreamYard, which is a very cool thing. If you've never heard about Amazon Live, it's something that I think you should check out if you have a podcast where you're creating merchandise. Either way, I didn't stream uh, to those platforms. I just recorded it so that I could use it as a micro content and break it all up. If you want to learn more about StreamYard, check out my affiliate link at thepodcasttherapist.com slash StreamYard. It's time for the mix down. The Podcast Therapist. I've had something planned for you for a really long time, Steve, uh, because, you know, uh, what people don't know is that whenever I see Steve in the office, I always use this this voice with Steve, and I always say to him, you know, ladies and gentlemen, number 32, Steve Moynihan, because I feel like you have an athlete's name. <laughs> well, I don't have the body that goes with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got something very special planned for you because I feel as though you need a big introduction. So I'm going to give you the big introduction. So this is what it is. Ladies and gentlemen, from Hubbard Broadcasting, number 32 at Power Forward, Steve Moynihan. And then, of course, the applause after that. <laughs> so there's your big you. introduction, appreciate my that. friend. Appreciate the hype up. So. <laughs> You're welcome, man. So the reason I'm bringing you on to uh, today's podcast is because the question always comes up in my on my YouTube channel, on my podcast, blogs, emails, is, uh, is all about sponsorships. And I don't think that podcasters understand the nature of what a sponsorship is. They think it's just getting a client or getting someone to come in, say like this podcast is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron is blah, 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 blah. But I don't think they understand the nature of what goes into grabbing a sponsorship. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to bring you in and define and identify what sponsorship sponsorships are for radio and how you gather sponsorships and how they could relate over into podcasting. So I want to start first with defining what you see as a, as a definition of what a sponsorship is in radio terms. Sure. Um, so when I go out and I try to get a sponsor to do something with the radio station uh, for some program we might be doing, it's, it's really defining what that client is trying to do to be integrated into the stationers, excuse me, into the station to connect with the listeners. It really kind of boils down to that. So if I'm meeting with an HVAC company and they want to get their brand out there in Arizona to all the all, all the possible customers in Arizona and we identify one of our stations being a good fit, then we identify what 
elements make sense for them to be part of in a sponsorship and try to connect the dots on maybe what the station is going on. I'm not a big fan of just like taking a template sponsorship that the station is doing and saying, here it is, buy it this way. I'd like to sit down with the client and address what their challenges are, what they're trying to accomplish and seeing if the sponsorship with that radio station makes sense and then building out the elements of that sponsorship to give that client really what they need and then also the additional exposure with the station. When you do a sponsorship, the great thing about it, um, and we're talking kind of generic right now, but we can get more specific, but the great thing about a sponsorship is it's designed to allow you to stand out above and beyond just running regular commercials on a radio station. Okay. So it's a sponsorship, like if we're doing a sponsorship and we have a special event coming up or we have a, a special campaign we're doing on the radio station for a three month or a six week window th- by associating a client with that type of sponsorship, they really get to stand out above and beyond a running just 20 commercials a week. Mm-hmm. Um, they become part of the day-to-day programming of the station. Okay. So does that make sense? Right. So you're talking about, <clears throat> it's just not commercial, pre-recorded commercial ads. You're talking about, right. it's almost as though you're inviting them in to the radio station to be kind of like in air quotes, part of the family for a, a specific period of time. Am I, am I wrong on that or right? Yeah. 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 No, I would say that's a great way of assessing it. I mean, you want them to feel like, they're going to be associated as much as we possibly can with the station during that time period of whatever the the sponsorship is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they feel like they become a a, a true partner. Right. And they, and, and, and and when it works out getting a little ahead of ourselves, but when it works out, then they, they, they're a client that lasts for years. Mm -hmm. And there's reason why, you know, big companies sponsor things for years and years. And there's reason why, you know, I, th- I believe Pepsi is the halftime sponsor of the Super Bowl. Right. So um, and they've done it for years, even though they're sitting out being doing a lot of major commercials with the Super Bowl this year. They're still underwriting the halftime. So right. when you find a sponsorship that makes sense for a client and it works and they dev- and they, they can receive a ton of branding out of it, a ton of engagement and feel like they're generating business off it, then it's a win-win for everybody. Right. Can you, let's back up real quick. And can you, can you explain what underwriting is just for people who don't understand in sales terms, what that means whenever say you say Pepsi is underwriting, but they're not running, you know, commercials or anything like that. Yeah. So they're taking the, the marketing real estate space and, and exclusively getting that right to it. Um, so if, if it's something like underwriting the, the halftime of the Super Bowl or, becoming a studio sponsorship of a radio station. You know, they're exclusively being that, that, that sponsorship is for them and only them. And they stand out with their marketing partner for whatever they're, they're, they're spending the, the sponsorship dollars against. And for example, with radio stations, when you do like a studio sponsorship, you're not just getting uh, the KUPD studios brought to you by XYZ client. You're getting commercials you're getting association with digital elements with the radio station on the station's website in the station's social media posts um and if there's any upcoming charity opportunities or charity programs that station might be doing they're going to incorporate you as kind of a long-term sponsor giving you the first right of uh, opportunity to do additional sponsorships right so you know you're basically buying 
prime real estate in a marketing in a marketing environment to just allow you to stand out. Okay. And there's more to it, but just a quick take on it. Sure. And so what we're talking about here when we're talking about a client or, you know, some company that is underwriting the uh, with the radio station or with the TV station or whatever it may be, there are these other components that fall underneath the underwriting. Um, and that's where I guess I want to go next. When I, I asked you the questions, I sent you some questions ahead of time. I said, what are the right. different types of sponsorships that exist? And you brought some of those up, I guess. I don't know if you would call them sponsorships, but they would be a part of the um, overall scope of what that client or that person wants to sponsor. So when we talk about breaking down different types of, quote, sponsorships, you mentioned website, you mentioned a commercial ads. Are those considered sponsorships or are they considered just components of one sponsorship? Yeah, I would say they're components and elements within a sponsorship. You know, okay. a sponsorship can be strictly a, a name, name mentioned brought to you by. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my understanding, in my, my belief in the way the world is today, that's not what people are looking for. They're looking for integration of how, their business, their product can really stand out with the partner they're, they're working with. Um, and you're seeing a lot of this on the social media platforms, like, you know, the way TikTok has kind of blown up and incorporated corporate sponsors into how they generate content on that platform. Um, the, the, the content is designed to associate with that platform and not just be an ad that is placed right on that on that on that platform. And if you're doing a sponsorship with a radio group, with a TV station, with a major event, um, you know you're trying to figure out all the different components, elements of what you're going to receive for saying we will be your ex, your title sponsor. Okay. So if I'm the title sponsor of a Fourth of July celebration in the town of Gilbert. You know, what does that mean besides saying, you know, Town & Gilbert 4th of July celebration brought to you by Honda? Right. You know, what are you getting? And the goal is for you to get additional elements and components that can be offered by that partner to allow you to stand out and engage with future possible customers. Sure. What are now what are some of those those popular components that you are utilizing right now to sell a sponsorship? And how are you what are those most popular ones? I guess we should start with first, because I think those should be the ones where I believe this is just my belief for podcasters. But these are the ones that I I believe podcasters should probably maybe focus on because it provides, I believe, more bang for their buck if they decide to go after a sponsor or after someone who wants to create a sponsorship. What are those components that you really focus on? Great question. So if you're talking about a radio station or you're talking about somebody who creates their own podcast or someone that creates their own videos on YouTube, um, associating that podcaster or that YouTuber or that on-air talent with a possible sponsor through running commercials, running um, possible endorsements, um, live reads, um, getting social media, um, receiving social media support with the sponsorship, being part of their website, um, being part of their email marketing campaign. So 
if you are creating podcasts or you're creating YouTube videos or you're developing a new business or, or you're promoting your small business and you have all these different marketing tools that you promote yourself on a daily basis, as you meet with a possible sponsor, you want to figure out how you can take all those elements that you're using for marketing to promote your, your, yourself and associate that sponsor with those things in a respectful way that you're not seeming like you're over commercializing Sally, everything. like Sally gross yeah. being yeah. gross about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So does that, you know, we can talk a little bit deeper about that, but does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? Right. So, so I guess if we were to, um, I guess, shorten it up in, in some sense, you're basically saying that when you grab a sponsor and so for like, for instance, for me, we could say like, uh, I have a sponsor right now with my podcast. Um, and it's with my YouTube videos. Um, it's, it's Buzzsprout and it's for podcast hosting. And so, what happens when Buzzsprout comes to me and they say, oh, you know, we want to sponsor your videos. Then I I go in and this is just maybe who I am. And because I've been in radio for so long, I have now integrated not only maybe just a quick mention at the top of the pre-roll. And then maybe I mention some things inside of my podcast. I have it listed on my website. I write blog posts, something that integrates everything all into one. It becomes it becomes less invasive, right? Is it invasive, evasive, uh, invasive? Uh, so that it doesn't seem like I'm selling too much. It just says like, these are the products that I use and these are the products that work. Um, yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. So and, and it's easy to have this conversation when we're talking about someone that's creating a podcast or, um, or you're doing YouTube videos, you know, because if you're meeting with a possible sponsor, maybe they sell sneakers, okay? Mm-hmm. It's a sneaker company and you try on the sneakers, you like them, then you can have real life storytelling. You know, you're not just taking these sneakers are, are done, they're made this way and they, they're great because of this. You're, you're taking a real life experience as somebody that's going to endorse them um, because you've tried them, you've, you wear them, you know, you know you're, you're, you, you're embracing their lifestyle and trying to incorporate it into, you know, a product that you would use, and then you give your opinion to your listeners. And then it's up to your listeners and your and your viewers to decide if that's something they're interested in, and they'll maybe go and purchase the product. Right. But when you're more genuine and you're real with the messaging, we are seeing that is kind of where things really grow and became organic, and you have much better um, engagement than when you have a forced like sales message, be like, let me tell you why XYZ chicken wings are the best and I eat them every day. So, right. um, and I don't want to, you know, single any company. So I'm being generic, but right. the point is like, as you meet with sponsors, you want to, you know, for people that want to find sponsorships, you, you also want to find things that you like because it's easy to go to somebody that is a product you use or a service you use. That way you have some real life experience and, when you meet with them to say, you know, here's an opportunity for you to work with me and, and be part of my uh, my show or my, um, you know, or whatever you're, you're selling, um, then you have a kind of a an initial way to start a conversation to be genuine. And then then you can show you you can show that possible sponsor of here's the resources I have and how I can get you guys more um, awareness and impressions and and people to respond to you. So this would really kind of fall into one of my questions where it says, you know, how do you how do you determine what type of person you want to go after to sponsor a, you know, one of the personalities on the radio station, the radio station itself or um, you know, this goes into like I guess finding leads, really. It's it's all about right. finding leads. I mean, 
when you go in and you think about this, are there are there specific things you have in mind uh, that you want to present? Are you cold calling these people? I am. I've been doing this for you know twenty years, so my brain never kind of shuts off. I'm always looking at. I'm watching TV, looking at billboards, looking uh, you know looking on the internet, like I constantly assessing different companies and different leads and figuring out how it might work within the scope of the radio stations I currently offer and the demographics that I offer. I mean, with KUPD being such a male driven station and having great male audience, you know, looking at prospects that are focused on and targeting to the men audience um, and realizing, you know, there's a great possible fit here and it doesn't have to be local company. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, there's actually a client that I'm currently speaking to that is, that is an educational client that offers commercial, uh, diving school. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to get young men to, you know, make a change and have a different career path. You know, it's, it's a, it's a basically like a seven month program. Um, so a prospect like that, that's a great fit for a station that does very well with men. So then it's finding a way to align them with the station and developing marketing tactics and marketing assets through the station, through the station's resources, through the station's digital arms, and then putting together a sponsorship or just a general marketing campaign and presenting to the client and then, you know, building that relationship with that client. Right. No, I, I think that that is, I think where there might be disconnect with podcasters trying to do what you're doing. What you're talking about basically is what podcasters have been trying to do for many, many years. And the ones that do it, uh, they don't share exactly the process. They just kind of go with it. But there is a process that you obviously have when it comes down to understanding what your assets are. Like, for instance, we have, um, like you mentioned, KUPD, where you know where I, I do my stuff. But we have two other radio stations. Three. Uh, we have how many? Three radio stations? We, have, we actually have a total of five radio stations. Right. You know, we have the classic rock station. We have the alternative station. We have a uh, an oldies format music station. And then we have the sports AM station. sports sports um, content station. Right. I have a hard time remembering this because I always remember, oh, I have, here's the three core stations. Then I forget there's the other two. Sorry to All those right. other two radio stations. And I actually listen to the oldies station quite a bit, too. But uh, yeah. yeah, but you having to understand the demographics of those stations, you have to understand what those metrics, how those metrics read out. And that's where I want to go next. And we can talk about metrics. What are the, the metrics of the core metrics that you are using to determine whether or not you should sell uh, a specific time of day. I mean, we open up opportunities to, Hey, I could sell a specific time of day for a commercial. Um, that might be a part of the packaging that you are creating. What metrics are you really looking at and focusing on to make that proposal? Sure. So there's a lot of different sources of information we get to help us sell our stations and, and the different opportunities we have. But Looking at radio stations and how we get, you know, rated, um, there is rating systems of, hey, here's the number of people that listen to the station mm -hmm. during morning drive time, during the middays, during PM drive time, during evenings, during the weekends. And then that information is compiled and then we can use that to go when we present to a client and show, okay, you're going to you you have you've shown interest in being on this station for the next 12 months. Um it isn't it's there's there's a strategy that you can take where you can just buy one day part like you could say, hey, you know what? I just want to be on AM drive. And there is 
ways that you can take by just advertising in one time frame, one you know day part area, and it can be successful. Or you can be much more um, organic and utilizing the power of the station across all day parts. And that is more of my style. Um, there is benefit to being on the station throughout the day, evenings, overnights, weekends, prime time, because there are different listeners. When you're on the air, there is a different listener group that listens to you in the evenings versus the people that are listening in the mornings during the you know morning show. So there's value to every one of those possible um, listeners and, and the possible consumers to the advertiser. Um, so you assemble a campaign with a lot of different um, elements that include here, you're going to be on all these different day parts. You're going to run X number of commercials a week. You know, you say, what other metrics? Well, typically if you're going to be on radio, you're doing a 30 second or a 60 second commercial. Some clients like to use 50 second commercials. And then you buy a certain number of commercials a week to get a reach and a frequency and, and allow you to stand out. Um, you know, I, I've had plenty of clients over the years where, you know, after assessing what they want to do and their budget, it's not worth them spending the money on the radio if they're not willing to put a certain amount against it because mm-hmm. you're not going to just take money if you can't achieve the goal of getting to a certain number of metrics that you really need to generate results. Right. Does that make sense? Right. No, it, it totally makes sense because I think when you're talking about the content, we got. I, I think we have to split this up into two parts. We have to say we have the, the radio side of it, which is the content, which is the music, which is the, the jocks they're creating, I guess you could call the product. If they don't generate the metrics, they don't generate the ratings, the numbers, then it's a little harder for you as the salesperson to obviously sell something to that person or to that client or that potential new client, right? Right. And But let's take it back a second and let's put it in perspective. So just like with a radio station, you know, if the number of listeners is smaller for one station versus a competing radio station where they have a larger listener base, mm-hmm. there's still value to a smaller audience. Same thing with with somebody that's doing a podcast or someone that's creating a YouTube channel. Like maybe if you're starting out and you only have, you know, 5,000 followers, but you know, somebody down the road has, you know, 50,000 followers, there's still a value to those 5,000 people that watch your, your page, your YouTube page, because they're loyal and they're engaged in your content. And if you will find a sponsor that makes sense and, and aligns with that, with your, what you're talking about, your, your topics, then there still can generate results. So right. even small radio stations, you joke, you mentioned the oldie station, you like the oldie station. That is one of our smaller stations. We don't have a large audience for that, but it is a very successful station because it does a very good job of targeting uh, a specific niche audience of a 55 to 74 year old. I'm not that age. I was going to say I old people, that. Steve, old age, people. But, <laughs> but, but, but that is the core audience. We right. have other listeners throughout the day. But those are the ones that tend to respond. I highlight those because that is the target audience that responds when I have certain advertisers on. And I'll give you an example. We put HVAC clients on that do very, very well. We actually put uh, uh, financial planners that are on there, tax services. So things that make sense for that demographic that are specifically looking for. So, And that's the same thing work backwards to one of your initial questions is like when you meet with a possible sponsor, you are you targeting sponsors? You do want to go after people that align with whatever your topics are. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that is a huge thing 
for I don't know if it's a huge thing, but I think it needs to be hammered into the heads of content creators, podcasters, especially or YouTubers to know that there are avenues, but it should align with your values and your value system um, or th- or things that you use, you know, things that you use. I, I, I try to bring this up in my YouTube videos and on my podcast and say, like, you know, I have an essential equipment guide that I offer to everyone. I use that as a lead magnet. I use that as a lead magnet, but I also use it as a means to help other podcasters and say like, look, this is the equipment that I use. This is what I use. And those pieces of equipment are affiliate links. Those are a means for me to earn some form of money. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be through sponsorship itself. But if you're creating if you're creating some some form of of client or you're sorry, you're finding some client who aligns with your values, then it probably can go a little bit further is from what I I can see and what I imagine. I mean, I think I did some stuff years ago where, uh, you know, I think it was before you started at uh, at Hubbard Radio. And I remember I had a sponsorship that lasted for like six months or something like that. And it was because I was I was valued in that. Um, And I don't know if it was you but it was with a gym. I did something with a gym and there was a, there was one I done with a gym where it was um, I was promoting the gym for a solid three months and I was getting paid out for those mentions and to mention it on social media and whatnot. So, um, you know, there are many ways I think you can skin this cat when it comes down to acquiring a client. Now I want to move to the next part here because when we talk about like collecting the metrics and, and providing the information to a potential new client or someone who wants to sponsor. We collect the metrics. We have to grab the demographics. What do you do? And can you describe your process of creating a proposal to a potential new client? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, typically I'll meet with a client first and not typically almost all the time I meet with a client first Mm -hmm. to do a kind of a needs analysis and kind of discuss what their goals are. And then that initial meeting is where I do all my information gathering. And then I come back and if I develop a concept or a program or a sponsorship for them, we build out, you know, a proposal for them, you know, in our world, we use a lot of, (laughs) we use a lot of PowerPoints to present. Sure. Um, But you know, it could be as simple as a, as an executive summary, two page document, you know, I've sold, you know, a $150,000 deal off of a a two page word document. So it's not (laughs) pretty pictures in a PowerPoint. It's about what you're going back and storytelling them, how you're going to help them grow their business. Mm -hmm. So, they're looking for you to come back after you've listened to them. And that, I think that's the one thing I would, I would say. It's very important to listen. Listen to these possible prospects. Don't just go in there and sell you. You're going in there to learn about them. And then you're going back and just explain them how you're, what you do with your podcast, with your radio station, with your TV station, with your YouTube channel, how that aligns with them and you can help them. So I think people make a mistake that they go and they say, let me tell you how great I am first. Right. So I, I would. And so once you kind of get that information, you go back, you, des- you design a proposal, you send it to them. You also are wanting to and then they buy into it and it's buy into an idea. They're like, yeah, this is something I want to do. I want to move forward with you. Then you want to be contracting with them. You know, and that sounds like a, a generic sales term, but it's true. You want to be constantly engaging with any new potential advertiser or sponsor saying, okay, so yes, we're excited about partnering. Here's how we're going to start this off. Here are the next steps. Here's what we're going to achieve. Um, here's what you said you were trying to achieve and here's how we're going to try to do it. And we're going to, and we're going to, we're going to analyze the data. We're going to analyze the elements every, you know, two weeks, every 30 days. 
typically in a radio campaign, I'll use radio as an example. If I have a brand new advertiser that's doing a sponsorship with me or is just even doing a simple radio campaign, I'm checking in with them. I'm checking with them after the first week. I'm checking in with them after the second week. Mm -hmm. Then maybe I'm checking with them after the first month. And then I'm just making sure they're happy with the commercial. I'm happy with them with content. Now, there's a point where you do too much engagement with the client at the same time. (laughs) There's most, most mistakes is people don't do any, they sell something and they like forgot, they forget to engage. Right. (laughs) And it's like, and that's, that's you talking about having a sponsor or endorsement you had for six months. That is a combination of you being as good as you are. And then the AE working in partnership with you to make sure the client stays engaged with whatever you're partnering with them on or whatever you're selling them. So it becomes a long-term partner. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there that have been with certain advertisers for long periods of time. And, you know, people like Blue Apron or, you know, Squarespace or, or, or Casper, you know, or any of these big national clients, they're great. And when you get to a podcast level where you're actually being contacted by major agencies for these type of clients, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. They want to advertise on your uh, on your podcast. But a lot of that doesn't happen right away. So people, I think, assume like that's where all the money is. And there's not. Right. There's a lot of money with the the midsize and smaller advertisers right. that we're doing is developing a true partnership so they can be with you for a long period of time. Um, and that is more than just talking to them and saying how great you are. It's really developing something that they can see results from and then they'll be with you for a while because – you know, if they initially show interest, there, there. Once you have somebody connected with you, it's it's it, it, that's half the battle. Right. It's the initial phase of getting a hold of them and connecting with them. Right. So, I'm sorry, I kind of got a little bit off a top the topic no, of like fine. answering your question. But in regards to like the proposal, yes, you can you you can take a proposal back to somebody that's a PowerPoint, that's a Word document. You know. A lot of people get more creative and they have different ways of presenting their products or what they want the client to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really once something is sold, like I said before, it's having a timeline and execution and following, following through. And a lot of times smaller podcasters, you know, it's really just that person and they don't have like a team of people. Right. Um, so you're kind of doing uh, Iron Man or Iron Woman marketing, meaning you're handling everything, you know, you're right. doing your, you're creating your content and then you're, you're acting as a sales rep for your product to that new prospect and that client. Yeah. So, and that's, and that's part of the hustle. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what it is. I mean, <laughs> I think that's what it is. I mean, when we look at the scale of like what you do at the radio station and all the, uh, all, all of your, uh, the other AEs, the account executives that work with you down in the sales pit, you guys are managing five radio stations trying to gather business for five radio stations. You guys might have, you might be assigned to KUPD and might be assigned to Alt AZ, might be assigned to the oldie station and trying to harvest leads. And then someone else has got the same account structure or however it works. And it's such a large, uh, it's such a large undertaking whenever you're doing it with that amount of stations. I mean, I mean, there's radio conglomerates out there that are doing it way larger than that. So when you're talking about one podcast, I mean, yeah, you're talking about doing it as one person and you, you're telling me that, uh, when you go out and you sell someone, you have to, and you give, you give someone a proposal that they can say like, yes, this is going to help me grow. 
And this is going to help me get more exposure to a different audience, whether it's midsize, small, it still is value. It still is value when you're reaching out to them and following up with them and saying like, look, this is what this uh, campaign did for us this period or this flight dur- during these flight dates. Um, yeah. So th- it, it becomes you have to I think people have to understand that on a larger scale. That's why there are account executives when you're doing it on your own. It's just you. Yeah. And and, and it, when you're doing it on your own, that's fine. It's the, the biggest takeaway. It's just be honest, be truthful, be be who you are. And, you know, people make mistakes. I make mistakes all day long. And, and if I own up to my mistakes, it usually gets me farther along with clients. You know, um, after I'm in the middle of a campaign or I'm finishing up a campaign, I try to renew or, or extend, mm-hmm. you know, your storytelling, the, the results you're showing. OK, here's what we talked about in the beginning. This is what you wanted to accomplish. Here's what we generated on impressions. Here's how we had engagement with some social media posts. Here's here's what we promised you were going to get two commercials a week. But, oh, my God, your products, the client, you know, the on-air person loved your product so much. They did five commercials a week for you. So you want to highlight you want to you want to be your best. You want you're your own cheerleader. So you have to promote everything right. extra you did for that client without being too over, you know, too much, not too much ego. You want to say, here's what I did for you. Here's what you paid for. And here's what additional elements we provided you to, you know, out of, you know how much we look like partnering with you guys. So you're constantly just constantly storytelling to, um, and I mean, I keep saying storytelling, but you're constantly uh, re-explaining the process and and what you're achieving so they stay engaged and so they see a value to continue to partner with you. Right. And that's a huge point. I think it's, you brought up a couple of words. You want to be engaged with them. Not only are you creating content to engage with an audience, but the, the partners that you are choosing, you have to be personally engaged with them you're it's not just it's it's not just like oh you bought my stuff and thanks peace out it's like hey no like we're, you're, you're almost becoming friends in fact friendships do form out of a lot of these partnerships absolutely you know i mean i've got absolutely. longtime friends i i did a, a sponsorship years ago uh or i think i did an endorsement with someone um where i was it was with an eye center and the person, the person or the point of contact that had reached out to the AE at the time, uh, we all connected, had a meeting. And then this person ended up, you know, from the eye center, ended up becoming my friend, you know, and now it's a partner. It's, it's not even just a, par- a paid partner. It's just a friend for life at that point. So you, you, you have to build these relationships and nurture these relationships, too. Yeah, I mean. You know, not to, you know, it, it, like Gary Vee. I mean, he talks about yeah. hustling. You yeah, know, no. People don't realize if you're developing something, you're creating podcasts, you're creating content that you want people to hear you and share, you know, nothing is easy in no. life. You have to work hard. And, but when you do work hard and you find the ingredients the right way to develop great content that people enjoy, and find a ways to make your partners and your advertisers happy, mm-hmm. then it will come back to you in, you know, but there's a lot of effort you have to put into it to make it successful. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years and, and it's not like, Oh my God, I'm set. And you know, I've been doing this for a long time. Every year I'm kind of hustling to add more opportunities and more new businesses and, and work with new advertisers. I mean, that's why I do it because it's not boring. There's constantly new people to talk to and new things to develop for clients. Right. And I think in the area of, I guess, 
I mean, we could call it for all intents and purposes, uh, sales. Sales is constantly evolving. And the way the way we see things, I think it I mean, not the I don't know if the process is evolving, but how we see the opportunities might be uh, evolve. I, I agree. I think uh, like the principles are kind of remain the same, but what we can develop and, you know, with technology and just so much opportunity out there. You know, you mentioned sales. I, I, I like to look at it more of consulting, um, you know, because there's a lot of clients where I've met with and they've done business with me. And then they talk to me about other things they're doing with other partners and they ask me my feedback on it. And, and the more I can offer my, my ability to give them recommendations, the more they trust me, the more yeah. they trust me, the more, I, the more there's opportunity to kind of do more business with them. And so like you said, I'm not looking to be best friends with all of my clients, but I'm looking for them to trust me and look at me as a consultant. So, um, you know, they call me and even if it's not something I'm going to make a dollar off of, right. but if I give them some good advice, that will come back to me. So my question to you, Steve, is when are you going to start your own consulting business? <laughs> Every day I think about <laughs> when that, that, I'm going to pull the trigger on that. You know, I think, I think that's a great segue to point out something that um, it's very scary to go on your own and do something, yeah, it is. but you do it. People, you know, you'll surprise yourself. Sometimes, you know, you do something and it, it might work or it might fail. And you know what? Failing's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, but if you don't try, you don't know. So, right. and I think that is the greatest thing we see right now it, with the growth of podcasts and the growth of, of YouTube channels is people aren't going on their own and trying things they never tried before. I mean, before we started this interview, I was telling you, I've kind of gone down a YouTube channel uh, rabbit hole about different people that talk about finances. And one guy I watch, he, you know, he had a regular blue collar job and there was nothing wrong with it. He probably made good money, Mm -hmm. but he started creating videos about finances and, 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 and stocks and, it just blew up on him. But yeah. again, it was a lot of hard work. I mean, he was putting, you know, six to 10 hours per video just to put it out yeah. and with nobody watching it. <laughs> yeah. And it took him two to four years before anyone really, really was watching him. Yeah. Um, but now he's very successful. Um, so nothing, nothing is free in life. You have to hustle for it. And you have to work hard for it. But um, the more, you know, the more you try to partner with people, the more you just, listen to what they have to say and try to figure out the correct marketing elements for them to align with you. Right. The likelihood they will be with you a long period of time. Right. I look at it as a strength in numbers philosophy. It's a strength in numbers philosophy. The more you can uh, partner with people and hopefully lift each other up and have the agreements be mutually beneficial. I, I like to use that term mutually beneficial uh, because I don't like it being a give and take situation. I like mutual benefit uh, being things being mutually beneficial to each other because it helps each other. You're, you're raising each other to the next level. So uh, I, I appreciate um, that you brought that point up because it, I think it's important for content creators to understand that partnerships are important. Steve Moynihan, 
Uh, I cannot thank you enough for coming on and doing this podcast with me. Um, you know, you have been someone that's been on my mind. I thought, who could I ask? And I thought, oh, I could ask Steve Moynihan because that, that's my boy at the radio station who who, who helps me out. I appreciate out. it, man. This is fun. I love it. So No, I thank you. And, uh, you know, I, I know you don't have a website or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that people could reach out to you uh, through Hubbard Broadcasting. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, through the Hubbard Broadcasting oh. or even through my LinkedIn page. I mean, like that is I, I actually one of my favorite ways to network currently in the last year and plus, almost the last two years is LinkedIn. So look for Stephen Moynihan and, you know, on, on, my, is link, on, on LinkedIn. So and whenever you go, I'll give you, I'll give you my link and you can put it out there. So. Yeah, definitely. And whenever you go to Steve, Steve's uh, LinkedIn, just to remember that when you look at his name, it's like, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Moynihan. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's Steve, Steve Moynihan. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast therapist today. I really appreciate it, my friend. Yeah, no problem. Man. Thank you. Not a problem. The podcast therapist. Right now, you might be in the middle of the research phase of launching your podcast. Maybe you've gotten some equipment, signed up for a Zoom account, and have recorded a few podcast episodes. But what steps do you need to take when it comes to a successful podcast launch? Would you believe the biggest mistake podcasters make is the launch sequence? Seriously, just like a space shuttle has a sequence to put astronauts into space, podcasts have sequences to put a podcast in the marketplace successfully. That's why I created the podcast launch checklist. After helping numerous clients build their podcasts, I developed a step-by-step guide to help podcast creators just like you have a clean launch sequence without wasting time. The Podcast Launch Checklist is a 12-step sequence that walks you through the pre-launch, mid-launch, and post-launch process with specific steps and instructions that will save you time. If you're tired of walking around in the dark trying to figure out everything that comes with a podcast launch, you can grab the Podcast Launch Checklist today. Visit thepodcasttherapist.com slash PLC and use the code PODTHERAPIST, all one word, to get 25% off this checklist today. Unnecessary explanations. I want to do a real quick recap of today's episode because I want you to focus on five areas of today's interview that I think will be uh, very, I don't know if it'd be very vital, but it will be of significant importance for you and your podcast when it comes to getting sponsorships. I want to again thank Steve Moynihan for sitting down with me and sharing his knowledge and wisdom and his years of experience as an account executive in the media field and share that knowledge with myself and of course with you most importantly. I think he did you more of the favor than anything else because these were already things that I knew about before uh, Steve came in and talked with me on that StreamYard uh, interview. So uh, I, I want to thank Steve again for coming in and, uh, and sharing his knowledge with us. So today I want to focus on five areas that I think we should recap about in the episode that we just heard. And the first one that I want to focus on is number one, building great content. I know this is a no brainer for you. I realize it, but you know, I have to also understand that a person who listens to this podcast for the very first time may not have realized how valuable this point is. Building great content to your podcast is probably going to be the single most important driver of your metrics when it comes to your podcast. Without great content, it is harder to make a sale or is harder to, I don't wanna say convince, but it is hard to tell that potential new sponsor that, hey, look, 
this is the type of audience that I have and these are the type of downloads that I get. Yeah, I've said in the past that you should not be focusing on downloads, but if this is the area that you wanna focus on, then you need to start creating valuable content. If you wanna get valuable content out to the world and you wanna get a massive amount of downloads and use that as your metric, then the content has to be valuable, all right? So value can come in the form of evergreen content. It could be informational, it could be inspirational, it could be motivational. It could be something that someone goes back and listens to again and says, oh, I got a lot of value out of this particular episode. I'm gonna go back, maybe even take some notes. And they just so happen to hear maybe a sponsor in the podcast episode itself. So when you're creating valuable content, create it with the intention of knowing that it's going to get listens even if you don't have a sponsor for that particular episode. So create valuable content. If it's informational content, great. It's gotta come in that value form of possibly evergreen, informational, motivational, uh, whatever it may be, okay? Now, if it's in the form of entertainment and you're growing an audience based on you know, getting the laugh, maybe if you're a podcast that is a comedy podcast, maybe what you need to do is you need to create more valuable laughs for that person so that they can invest their time into tuning into your podcast weekly so that you know there's loyalty there. So once you build that loyalty, then you can go to a sponsor and say, look, I've got these amount of downloads for my podcast. How can we get you involved with this? What can I do to serve you? How can I help you? This whole game of creating sponsorships is about serving two different audiences. It's about serving your listening audience and it's of course about serving your potential new client, that audience. So you have to think of that audience as someone or something that is in consideration for paying you money to put something or involve themselves with your podcast brand. Number two, put great content on your website. You gotta find arms to your podcast. So as Steve had mentioned in today's episode, the radio station has many different arms of sponsorships. It's not just putting a commercial on the radio. They also offer, or at least Steve may offer also, an opportunity to create a package where it involves uh, something that is maybe a website, a dedicated website on uh, one of the property websites, such as 98KUPD or Altez FM or whatever it may be. So these are areas in which you can implement and uh, incorporate into your sponsorship strategy. Another strategy might be having your, I don't know, your home studio, studio in air quotes, it could be your bedroom, but you could call it a studio because they, you know, today's podcast was brought to you by Apple, the Apple Studios. That's what you could say. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by the Apple Studios. And then that's all you have to say. That might be a lower premium price on the podcast, but you make the determination of how long you want that to be um, incorporated into your podcast. It could be six months, it could be out of the year that Apple is sponsoring your studio. Just think of those areas. So find arms to your podcast, different areas that you can try and monetize. Number three, you don't have to go after the big dogs. There's plenty of money that you can find with the little dogs, local businesses. If you have a podcast that does e-commerce to the world, but it is a local business, but they're still doing e-commerce, you could probably approach them and say, hey, look, this is what my podcast is about. It is about, you know, I don't know, pottery. And you could go to maybe one of the local nurseries because maybe one of the nurseries does e-commerce and they sell flower pots. I don't know. And maybe that nursery is looking for a more focused group of people who are interested in flower pots or maybe uh, different gardening uh, tools. Who knows what it could be? 
So don't think of trying to go after the big dog. Go after local businesses if that is what the case is. But do your research ahead of time. Number four, know your audience to help your clients. So this kind of you know, works with number three, but know your audience to help your clients. So understanding the demographics of your audience is going to be equally important. You need to know where they're where they're listening from, how long they listen, and you need to know which episodes are the most popular. That's probably one of the most important ones that we should probably focus about focus on are the most popular episodes. If you have a super popular episode, then maybe you need to consider going down that route of creating content that is very similar to that previous episode. But one thing that I do know and one hack that you can incorporate, which I will tell you right now, if you are using Buzzsprout, um, and I think you could do this on other uh, podcast hosting platforms, you can always go in and replace the audio platform. So let's say you have a podcast episode that gets a lot of downloads, then maybe you and you have a specific sponsor that is in that episode, and maybe it's just Maybe it has just retired or maybe you haven't incorporated a sponsor in that episode. You can re-upload a brand new episode in place of the originally uploaded episode, but the new episode incorporates a sponsor. So this is going to be very important for you when it comes down to editing your podcast and having the ability to access the templates of your podcast if you are saving the templates. That's an important point that I think you should uh, take note of. Save templates of your podcast so that you can go in and interchange sponsorships as needed if you decide that you wanna go ahead and re-upload audio into your hosting provider. I use Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout just happens to be my favorite one. Uh, this, my second favorite one would be uh, Simplecast. That would be the other one that I would use. Uh, but I don't believe Libsyn allows you to do it. So Libsyn, and I'm not sure if Blueberry does, but the two that I really focus on are Buzzsprout and Simplecast because they allow you to replace episodes um, if you want to go ahead and make a change to uh, a particular uh, episode that was originally uploaded. Number five, and the last point. When you're building packages, build packages that revolve around the whole scope of your podcast. So as I mentioned, you could give your give a package where you're saying, I'm going to give you a certain amount of commercials or a certain amount of reads in the podcast, but I will also uh, sponsor, have you sponsor the, the studio itself. And maybe a segment will be a part of this. You got to come up with different areas. The website, uh, maybe a certain promotion that is involved with your website that you want to run, that you're trying to drive traffic to. When you're coming up with these different areas of sponsorships, it's just just not about reading something on your podcast. If you want to get more I don't know, value and want to get more money for your podcast, maybe what you need to consider is how much visibility you can give that potential new client. Just don't focus on the commercial, focus on the website, focus on the studio, focus on segments, focus on in-podcast reads, focus on particular promotions that the the company wants to participate in. They have a particular promotion they want to promote. Maybe you are really trying to put something on your website to drive traffic to so that they can get more visibility as well. This is all about serving your client as well. It's serving your client because you know that you can help them with an audience that you currently have, but it's also serving your listeners because you know and believe in the client enough to say, hey, I think that you need to go to this particular client. They can help you out. So that's something to think about. 
So I hope today's episode really gives you uh, some something to think about, uh, some perspective on how radio stations go about getting sponsorships. And uh, if you have questions, you're always welcome to reach out to me at thepodcasttherapist.com. Go to the contact me section. You can leave a voicemail or you can leave me an email. Also, I will go ahead and leave a link to Steve Moynihan's uh, LinkedIn in today's show notes if you want to go ahead and contact him and have any questions and want to network with him on LinkedIn. He's a valuable resource and he was so gracious to share his time with us in today's podcast episode. So that's going to go ahead and do it for today's podcast therapist. I want to thank you once again for tuning in to the episode. And, uh, you know, of course, if you have questions, like I said, hit me up at thepodcasttherapist.com. And I would really appreciate it if you left me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, even if you don't have an Apple Podcast. Uh, account. Head on over there. Head on to the the podcast therapist uh, in Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating and review. Let me know whether or not this podcast is good. It's bad. um, You know, or you just, you know, whatever your review may be, it's going to help me become a better podcaster. And your reviews will be read on a future episode of the podcast therapist. So in the meantime, you have a great week. We'll be talking to you next time. Cast Therapist. Mixdown Media Productions.